Hoosiers to get y'all uh, Welcome. It's so great to be with y'all tonight. I want to give you a quick recap if you weren't here last week. So last week we talked about what does it look like for us to live out our lives of faith this year with real intention and focus. Uh, we were in 1 Corinthians. You all know the verse, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize, run in such a way as to obtain it. We talked about living lives focused, focused on gospel purpose, recognizing that all of life is ministry in response to what God has done for us in Christ. And because we know the Christian life isn't just about being inspired by Jesus' example, it's about living in relationship with God and seeking his help to be disciplined in the way that we live out our faith. Uh, Everyone who goes into the games goes into strict training so that they might receive the prize. We talked about what does it look like for us to be disciplined in the way we live out our faith this year. Cultivating habits of reading scripture and spending time in prayer that we might grow in our knowledge of who God is, what his word says, and that we can be equipped to live as people on mission here in Bloomington this semester. And uh, we actually passed out a Bible reading plan. It's a 90-day Bible reading plan, and it's two chapters a day. If you do two chapters a day, five days a week, we'll finish this plan right around Christmas. And so we're going to be going through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then also the book of Genesis. And I've got a bunch of extras printed out. Um, I challenged you guys to do this, and we're going to have a different challenge tonight and another one next week out for these first three weeks. And so this first challenge, uh, the 90-day reading plan, I would love to get you on board, so find one over at the Welcome Center. But tonight, in part two of this intro series, we're going to be talking about community. And if you've been here at ECC, you've probably heard messages on community before. And we've actually spent entire semesters in sermon series talking about community. And so I want you to know right up front, my intention is not to give you the Spark Notes version of everything that could possibly be said about community. Uh, because then you'll get nothing out of it and you'll be confused. And um, the goal isn't for you to just walk out and say, yeah, community. Um, and I don't want to use any words like intentional or radical or organic that you sometimes hear in Christian sermons. Everyone acts like they know what you're talking about, but no one really gets it. At least uh, I don't really get it. Uh, so I hope that we can study God's word here together tonight and that the spirit will speak to us, that we'll be impacted by the word in such a way that we'll walk out of here with hearts and minds that are equipped with the truth of scripture, but also fired up to love the people that God has put us in community with, because uh, that's not always easy, right? And so we're going to start off by considering what Christian community really is first, and this is absolutely critical for us to understand if we're going to have any sense of how to apply uh, principles of living in Christian community together. And so I want to do that through looking at Paul's letter, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the church in Ephesus, and it provides this picture of a very diverse church uh, that Paul is writing to, made up of people from both Jewish and Gentile backgrounds. These were people who were divided in their background religiously before they came to faith in Christ. And so, unlike most of Paul's letters, he's not writing to correct a heresy uh, or a major error. His intention is more to expand their horizons, so to speak, on what it looks like uh, to be people changed by God's grace and also to lay out for them some of God's goals for the church. And so before getting to his instructions for the church, he lays out for them this prerequisite. He tells them, if you're going to have Christian community, there's one thing you've got to get right. And so we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2. Check out the screen here. He writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 10, because of his great love for us, 
God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace we've been saved, and God raised us up with Christ, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works for which God prepared in advance for us to do. That is one of my favorite summaries of the Christian faith. It is so clear. It's by grace, through faith, that you have been saved, and this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. Uh, what beautiful truth is that? He's telling them their central identity is not in any personal background. It's not in whether or not their heritage lined them up in such a way that they might obey the law and become someone who's in right relationship with God. Their central identity is found in what God has accomplished on their behalf in the work of Christ Jesus on the cross in his death and resurrection. And so Paul tells them there's no room to boast. Uh, there's no room for spiritual arrogance because who they are and who we are in Christ really has nothing to do with us. What Paul says is we're saved from sin and made alive in Christ because of God's kindness. It's God's kindness reaching out to us with the riches of his grace, even when we were dead in our transgressions. And so grace has nothing to do with their deserving or earning. It has everything to do with God's mercy. And so Paul tells them that this truth, it not only unites them, the gospel doesn't just unite individuals with God, it also unites believers with one another though they may have been formally divided. Let's continue on here. He says to them in Ephesians 2, 14 through 22, For Christ himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And so what Paul is saying to these members of the church is that before they couldn't have been more far apart from each other, but Christ has brought down the barriers. He's brought them down. He's made them one. And so we see here that God's plan for salvation wasn't just to create these blocks and leave them lying scattered about in the field randomly. His plan was to create these blocks and bring them together into this beautiful new construction, this building, a temple in which he would dwell. The place that God himself would live with Christ himself as the cornerstone. That's the central piece around which the whole building was constructed. And so... The truth in this passage is that while the gospel, what God has done in Christ, is deeply personal to each of us, we each need to make a personal commitment of faith in Christ to be saved. But our faith isn't only personal. 
It can't be just me and Jesus. Our faith is personal, but it's not individual. It's not individual because community belonging is a central part of who we are. We're members of God's family. We're adopted into the body of Christ. We are part of this dwelling place of God, the bride of Christ, the church, the temple of God. And so our faith isn't just about ourselves. We're united with people who have trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We're a family together. And so this new community that Paul is talking about here, that he's telling them they belong to, it's a privilege for us to be a part of it. But it's also kind of crazy because here we are, people who are really different in so many ways, who are now together as one. And when we try and wrap our minds around that, it kind of blows my mind to think about it. I am deeply connected to people I've never even met, and so are you. People different ages from us. People of other races, languages, from the other side of the globe. The Holy Spirit inside of us unites us together and makes us one. And uh, that makes life really interesting. I want to tell you, one of my best friends and one of the people who's made the biggest impact on my life, and I can honestly tell you I wouldn't be standing here before you if it wasn't for a 45-year-old guy who was Canadian who had a concrete pouring business in Kingsport, Tennessee. Because I built a friendship with this guy because he pursued me as a friend. And he would ask me to get coffee, and I'm like, man, like, why do you want to hang out with me? Uh, we don't really have anything in common, and I don't normally hang out with people who are 20 years older than me. But we made this friendship, and he spoke truth into my life. He encouraged me and helped me to see what God was doing in a way I couldn't see outside of myself. And I realized, wow, like the only thing that we have in common is our faith in Christ. And I can't think of anything else that's more important for us to have in common because God used that relationship in a powerful way. And that's Christian community. Christian community is a beautiful thing, and it is an amazing gift of God's grace. Let's flip the coin over. Here's something you all already know, I would imagine, uh, that while Christian community is an awesome gift, it is not without challenges. Inherently, the church is going to be full of challenges because we are all sinners who are saved only by God's grace. And so here we are living in relationship with each other, and though our sin no longer defines us, it does inhibit us from enjoying the perfect community for which we were created. And so take the example of a Christian marriage. A Christian marriage is meant to be the best picture of what Christian community is here on earth. A husband and wife coming together in covenant relationship with God, pledging to love each other till death do us part. That is a pretty serious picture of Christian community, right? Before my wife Brittany and I got married about seven years ago, we had pre-marriage counseling with some members of the church in which we were married. And uh, as we went through this, the couple who was counseling us was telling us, you know, we're trying to bring up these topics that will bring about conflict so we can see how you all work through them and maybe identify some issues where you might find tension before you get married. And uh, Brittany and I were like, man, like, I don't think we're having rose-colored glasses in the way we view each other, but I can't really think of anything for us to argue about. Uh, nothing really split us up. And uh, so we went into marriage thinking, like, man, this is going to be pretty easy. Like, we've really got it together. And uh, I have to tell you, it wasn't more than a few days into marriage where I was like, wow, I had no idea how self-centered I was. Um, and I had no idea how many issues we would have arise in our relationship together. Because the truth is that we were two different people. We loved each other very much, but she wasn't the same as me. And there were going to be challenges just because of our difference. 
And a lot of those things where I was like, wow, I, I love how different you are from me. Once we got married, I was like, oh my gosh, you are so different from me. And, uh, I'll tell you what, it wasn't the things that we had in our minds that could have been conflict. Our arguments in marriage have never been about our view of baptism differing, or whether or not we view women as uh, able to be a senior leader in a church, which were two differences in the background we came from in our church, our church history. Uh, the areas where we had conflict were things like, why do you put our leftover pancakes in a Ziploc bag? Like, why did you put it in Tupperware like my mom did? Um, but here we were, two different people coming together. It was only a matter of time before we conflicted. We're two different people. And so here we were, we're newlyweds. We're a weekend and the dream of perfect community was crushed. Um, so what did we do? Definitely, uh, I think this quote sums it up pretty well. Listen to this, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, German theologian from the mid 20th century. The person who loves their dream of community will destroy community, but the person who loves those around them will create community. Boom. Dietrich. Um, in Christian community, just like in a marriage, we are faced with the reality that life together involves real people and not fictional characters who are perfect and have everything in common. Life together isn't going to be without challenges. The question is, how will we choose to love the people God puts us in relationship with? Are we just going to drift through life together, hoping to make it, and uh, you know, we're just going to do the best we can to get by? Or are we really going to love the people God has put together with? Are we going to hold on in faith and hope for what God can do? I think we, uh, we ought to opt for the latter. That's just my position. And so I want to get real practical for the back half of this message. And I want to give you five different points of insight from Scripture that I really hope you'll apply to the way you participate in Christian community this year. And I think a lot of this will apply also to uh, community in any sense. There might be some dynamics that will look different when you're in Christian community, but I, I trust that you all will be able to sort those out as we go through here. And so the first I want to share with you is remember, the gospel is always central in Christian community. Because the gospel is what allows us to have the humility we need to live in authentic relationship with each other. Because only the gospel frees us to admit who we really are. We're sinners in need of grace from God, and we're in need of grace from each other. Uh, we don't have to require each other to have it all together. We don't have to pretend that we have it all together ourselves. We can be patient with each other through times of challenge and struggle because we know that we're all a work in progress on this side of a heaven. And so we have to remember the gospel every day or we'll harm our relationships by setting our standards for each other back to our self-righteous defaults. And so... I want to tell you, one sure way you can crush community is to turn inward for your sense of fulfillment and authority. Uh, we call that pride. Nothing ruins community like a person who's prideful when you act like you have it all together and you have life and faith figured out. And so I want to tell you, don't be that guy or girl who's prideful, uh, but you will uh, be prideful. I know because I am prideful myself. And uh, I want to encourage you, when you do find yourself off track and being prideful, when it gets the best of you, be humble enough to admit it and turn your back, turn yourself back to Christ in faith and repentance. Remember the gospel is always the center of Christian community. And so also, second, when life together gets messy, extend forgiveness. It's a tough one. 
The fact of the matter is that we are in a battle. All of us are in a battle against our flesh and against the enemy who wants to destroy us as individuals and divide us as a people together. We will experience conflict in Christian communities, so we can't be surprised by it. We have to expect it. But when we hurt each other, we need to seek reconciliation and be ready to extend forgiveness. Because God has forgiven us in Christ, we have to extend forgiveness to each other. When life gets to, gets messy, extend forgiveness. The third, be a vessel for grace, being an encourager. You may not believe this about yourself, but your words have power. You can build others up or you can tear them down with the words you speak. You can give grace to those who hear them. Ephesians 4.29, what a meaningful gift that is, to be able to give people grace through the words you speak to them. And the truth is, we all need encouragement from each other. That's true of all of us. Not one of us is exempt. We all need to be encouraged. The challenges of life weigh us down, and all of us go through times where we feel like we're sinking. Um, if, you're, if you've never felt that way, then I'll probably see you for counseling next week. Uh, because we all go through those times. But thank God, he gives us the ability to, he empowers us by his spirit to lift each other up. We can give each other more grace. Uh, but we also need encouragement from each other to counteract the deceptive nature of sin in our lives. We've got to remind each other of what is true about God and what's true about ourselves when we go through times of struggle with sin. Because our sin absolutely harms us. We need to support each other in our fight against it, but we also need to remind each other who we are in Christ. Our sin does not define us, and there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.1. We, we need to hear that from each other. Pardon me, because I often believe that word is too good to be true when I'm the only one telling it to myself. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Speak that word of grace to each other. The fourth thing I want to encourage you with is to be open-handed with your community. So there's something that's really tricky about community. It's that when you're experiencing community in a really strong way in your life and you feel really comfortable and encouraged by it, you have very little sense of urgency to cultivate more. But when you don't have a strong sense of community in your life, you're well aware that it's missing and you're absolutely desperate for it. I found myself in both of those places, complacent because I have it and desperate for more of it. When we have that strong place of community in our lives, we can't forget to care for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are at a different stage in their experience of community right now. We are all going to be the person on the outside looking to get plugged in at one point or another, so we need to be open-handed with our community and recognize that it is a gift of grace. It is in Christ. That's where our community is found. And so let's welcome other people into our lives and into our friendships that they might enjoy it as well. And the last thing I want to share with you is that while being open-handed with our community is vital, we also need to find an individual or small group of people that we can really trust with the most personal parts of our lives. And so we've got to develop an inner circle of Christian community, and I'm not talking about a Christian mafia. Uh, what I'm talking about, <laughs> the inner circle, man, is a interesting term. A place where we can find safety, a place where we can find support and prayer and accountability as we walk through life. That's what I'm talking about. And this is the kind of setting where you can really pray for each other and care for your friends in their most personal struggles. We can keep each other accountable. 
we all need that inner circle, a place of refuge and support. And so, in wrapping this up, I, I want to tell you there are challenges that are going to face us as we participate in life together, but know that God is rooting for you in this. In the last week of Christ's life, he prayed for you about your life and community. You may not even know this. In John 17, after praying for his disciples' ministry, once he was no longer with them, Jesus said this, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. And so he's, he's praying for you if you've trusted in Christ as your Lord and Savior. That, they may, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved me, have loved them even as you have loved me. And so that's Christ's prayer for you, and that is my prayer for you too. That we would allow the world to experience the love of Christ by seeing our unity together in him. And uh, as promised, your second challenge for the semester for you and your life of faith this year, I want to challenge you to develop a friendship with an older believer who is further along than you in their journey of faith in Christ and get to know them. Meet with them once a month or more often if you want. And so I want to encourage you, don't find someone who's just a year or two older, but maybe five or ten years or greatly more older. I want you to get to know them. I want you to talk to them about the things you're experiencing in your life and faith. Because people who are further down the line from us can speak wisdom into our lives in a way that we can't get from only our peers. It's really a powerful thing to hear someone be able to say to you, I've been there, here's what I've experienced, here's what I've learned, and here's how God has been faithful, here's how he's shown himself to me in this situation. And so, personally, this has been something that's been massively formational for me in my own life. I had a good friend who was one of my ministers when I was in college who took me under his wing. And uh, we would hang out once a month or maybe a little bit more often. And his mentoring was invaluable to me in understanding how God had equipped me and called me. And uh, even in my own relationship with Brittany as we were in college together. And so I want to encourage you to pursue that. And so you need to be patient as this develops because community takes time. Keep following Christ and seek out those opportunities to build friendships with other believers and allow God to grow them. And so if you're wondering, like, how can I make those connections? A few places you can look, another church member, uh, someone at home, someone here while you're at school that you can get to know through involvement in a ministry or a service project or a mission trip. It could be someone who's a campus ministry staff member with crew or navigators or at the CSF house. Maybe it's a pastor or a church worker. Uh, here at ECC, pursue a Christian friendship with an older adult. I think that you'll find it's something that's really beneficial for you in your life and your walk of faith. And so I want to invite the band to come forward now. We're going to respond together in worship. And let me pray for you as we conclude our time thinking about community and our lives here this year. Would you please pray with me? Father God, we thank you for the gift of community. What a gift it is of your grace that we get to be in a relationship with each other, united in Christ. God, we have such an opportunity to encourage each other, to lift each other up, to support each other through life's challenges. But God, um, we know that those challenges can sometimes drag us down. We pray that you would root us firmly in your grace, that we would extend forgiveness to 
each other, that we would love each other, and that we would be a people who are welcoming, that we would welcome others into our community because you've welcomed us in Christ. And so we pray as we go that we would be a people who are mindful this week and every week of this year to reach out with the love of Christ, that people might know you through us in our unity together. And uh, we pray these things together in Jesus' name. Amen.